morning and welcome everybody to Church Online. We are so thankful and grateful that you're here. Man, I just, I, I just, uh, I love those of you who are part of our church through this expression, Church Online. I just want to say welcome. And if you're, if you're new with us today, please know that we just want you to make yourself at home. Here at Summit, we're about relationship, we're about connection. And I just want to invite you to do something to help us serve you better. Right now, if you just get your phone out, and dial the word, or dial, I always say dial, I'm an old man, I guess. Uh, text the word next one, that's the word next and the number one, you see it there on your screen, to 94090, and a leader or pastor will get in contact with you and help you with uh, you know, any information you need, and if you're new with us, we want to definitely uh, send a gift to you to just say thank you for being a part of Summit Church. And I want to encourage you to go to our website if you're not already have been and your summitchurch.com and, and really just uh, look over everything. It can answer a lot of your questions and, and take the next steps to being a part of Summit Church because I know it can bless you. And, and listen, Church Online, you can be a part, even if you're Church Online regular members you, and you don't come in person, you can be a part. And there are ways for you to get connected, ways for you to be a part of the team. And so we want to encourage you to do that. And if you're new, thank you so much for being a part today. And I hope that you've already been ministered to. And I really believe that the word God's given me this morning is going to help you. So I just want to encourage you to jump right in with us. And we're going to continue our series, Loving Life. And uh, you know what? I believe that God has given us life to enjoy. And life comes with a lot of different circumstances and a lot of different seasons and a lot of different issues and problems. But even though it comes with all of that, God wants us to enjoy it. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundant. And so I want to encourage you today. Let's, let's find that place of loving life. I kind of have a philosophy in life that's based on biblical things. It's this, love God, love people, and love life. Let's do it all. Let's, let's, let's achieve what God wanted for us, abundant life, a quality of life that has the eternal on it. And so I just want to encourage you to jump right in with us today. And I, to, I encourage you to take some notes today. And if you don't, if you're not taking notes, you can go to our YouVersion app and just look up our notes there on the event and follow along and make notes of your own in there. It'll be great for you as a learning uh, uh, tool. So I want to encourage you to do that. So today, let's get right into it. And what I want to do as we continue this series called Loving Life, I want to talk to you around the subject, what you see is what you get. What you see is what you get. Numbers chapter 13, verse 30 through 33. Numbers chapter 13, verse 30 through 33 is our text. Why don't you read it along with me? Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and he said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those who live in it. And all the people we saw there of great size. We saw the Nephilim there and the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same 
to them. Father, we just pray that today you'll help us to understand what your word is trying to tell us, that we'll get it, we'll grow in it, we'll develop in it, and we'll become the kind of people who have the kind of perspective that changes things. Lord, help us to love life. Help us to enjoy life. Help us to be that expression of your love and grace in life so other people can experience your life through our life, God, in Jesus' name, and that they might come to know you as well. And Father, I just pray for anyone who is at church online right now that is that is maybe needs to rededicate their life to you. And maybe there's someone at church online right now that, that has never really asked you to come into their life, forgive their sins, have never really confessed you as their Lord and Savior, have never really committed to the idea that they believe you died for their sins and rose again from the dead. And so I just pray right now, Father, before we do another thing, that if before this service is over, that, Lord, there'll be decisions made to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, uh, you know, what you see, the title of this message really uh, is important to me. I, I think it's so important that we grab a hold of this concept because I'm telling you, it does make a difference in our life. And what you see is what you get. And if we want to love life, and um, we're going to have to achieve that by the way we think. You know, the battle to love life is the battle in the mind. The Bible talks very clearly about the idea that there's a battle going on for our mind, in our mind. You know, that internal conflict that we have so much of the time and and, and those, those thoughts that we get and mindsets that develop in us that can take us down a wrong road. And, you know, even though when we come to Jesus and ask him to come into our life and turn from our ways and turn to his, there's still a change that needs to happen in our mind. Our, our spirit is regenerated. We can't be any more saved than we are at that moment. But the truth is, our mind still needs to be renewed. That's why the Bible talks about put on the mind of Christ, or it talks about thinking certain things, whatsoever things are pure and holy and just and righteous and virtuous. It talks about renewing of the mind. And so it's important for us to realize there is a battle for our mind. The enemy is constantly attacking your heart and your mind to try to get you to doubt or try to get you to fear or try to get you to think other than what the word of God says and how you should think. And so we want to, we want to be, we want to have a firm understanding that if we're really going to love life, we got to take this battle on. We can't run from it. And we understand that the way we think affects the way we see and the way we perceive things. Now, a lot of people would tell you it's the other way around, but I really believe that the way we set our mind is, is what causes us to see things the way we see things. People have prejudices against other people. They see other people from certain prejudice and certain biases because of the way they think. They've been taught to think a certain way or they lived in an environment that thought a certain way. And so their mind has taken on that mindset and that's where biases come from. You don't see it, then think it. You think it and that's the reason you see it the way you see it. And we'll talk about that more a little bit later. So I just want you to know there is a way to love life. I think a lot of times we think it's just about emotion, but we can't be led by our emotions. If we're led by our emotions, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs and, and, and sides to sides and just all around in our life, just never settling, never being content, never being satisfied because we're basing 
our life on the way we feel. That's when I say loving life, that's not what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, there's going to be some great moments of elation. There's going to be some great moments of happiness and joy and, and just exuberance in our emotions. But the truth is there's also going to be a lot of times where we feel sad and down and discouraged and even sometimes defeated. But the truth is you can still love life even in the midst of that. Because I'm telling you, I've gone through some hardships and some difficulties, but still got up out of the bed and said, thank you, God, that I have breath in my lungs today. Thank you that I can enjoy life today. And even though it's hard, I'm living. And so we, we really just need to get this concept that we can love life and we want to love life, but it's going to largely depend on the way we perceive life, the, the perspectives that we have, the way we view it, the way we see it. I, I'm just going to tell you, man, uh, this has such a profound effect on every single one of us that if we could get this, if we could learn this today, if we could get it down in our heart, it could literally change our life and cause us to see things from a different light and understand things differently. So that's what we're going to do today. So I want to give you some examples of what this means to love life through having the right perspective. What it means, what you see is what you get. I, I really believe this is true. Let me give you some examples. Just in this situation right here where we see the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, they had an 11-day journey, but in, they turned it into 40 years because they didn't see it. Listen, what you see is what you get. Some of those spies that Moses sent to the land, 10 of them, they saw negative things. They saw a land that could destroy you. They saw cities that were so big that there's no way we could defeat them. They saw uh, uh, giants in the land that were going to destroy them. What they saw is they saw themselves as little and small and insignificant and having no ability to achieve what God had promised them. But Caleb and Joshua saw something totally different. They said, this is a land flowing with milk and honey. And they, were, they, they, they brought all kinds of different uh, produce out of the land. And they said, look at the, the soil, what the, it produces in this land. God has given us this promise and it's a glorious, wonderful thing. We are well able. Let's go right now. And these are all people, Joshua and Caleb and Moses, and the other 10 spies are all people who had just experienced some magnanimous things from the hand of God, some miraculous blessings from God's hand. They saw God do things that were incredible and impossible to humanity. And still, even though God had promised them and they had seen God do all of those things, including part the Red Sea so they could cross on the other side, they still feared. They still were trepidatious. They still didn't see things properly. Joshua and Caleb saw the promise. The other 10 spies saw fear and doubt. Joshua and Caleb saw the prosperity of Canaan. The other spies just saw defeat. And let me just explain something to you about fear and why it's important that you don't let fear rule in your life. Listen, sometimes we're going to be afraid of things. And the way you defeat fear is not to go, well, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid. It's you act regardless of your fear and you you go you move through that fear you challenge that fear because fear drives a negative perspective if you want to see things from a negative point of view then let fear rule in your life because every time that's what's going to happen you're never going to achieve you're never going to accomplish what you want if you allow fear to rule Look at David. David saw a giant that was too big to miss while other people saw a giant that was too big to fight. Faith 
drives a positive perspective. David believed. He said, God delivered the lion into my hand so he wouldn't get my sheep. God delivered the bear into my hand. And the God who did that will also deliver, deliver this uncircumcised Philistine into my hand. Think about that. David's faith drove a positive perspective. He saw the situation as a wonderful opportunity for God to do something awesome while the whole army of Israel saw it as defeat before they even tried. The third example I would give you is Daniel. Daniel had prayed. He said, I'm not going to change my convictions. I'm going to pray every day. It doesn't matter what the government says. It doesn't matter what the king says. You can throw me in the den of lions all you want to. I'm going to do what God told me to do. So Daniel saw an opportunity for God to show up and show himself strong while others saw sure death at the mouth of lions. Spiritual sight trumps physical sight every time. When we begin to see through the eyes of God, when we begin to see from a spiritual perspective, it overrides our physical sight. We may be able to see things. There's, there's no way he's going to get out of this. There's no way the lions won't kill him. There's no way. And his mind was made up. Even if the lions do kill me, I'm going to serve my God. And God showed up in a big way. Because his spiritual sight overrode his physical sight. Everything looked like he'd be killed, but he put his faith in God. The next one is, and I, and I love this one, Jesus saw the resurrection when all the disciples could see was the crucifixion. See, the point of view of purpose sees a whole picture while the point of view of aimlessness sees a small part of the picture. The, the, the disciples could only see their part of the picture. They couldn't see the overall thing that God was doing. But Jesus could see that overall picture, that overall perspective, because he was walking in the purpose of God. You know, perspective matters. The way we look at things matters. Th that phrase, what you see is what you get, is so true in life. The way we look at life can impact our lives positively or it can impact our lives negatively. You know, the important thing to remember is that we get to decide which way we're going to view things. Now, that, that's the most powerful thing I could say to you all day. Listen, we don't operate in our power and we're very limited in our ability. I mean, humanity is an amazing creature. We were, we're created in the image of God and God has put in us a brain that is it's so unbelievable and, and a system that is, 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 is it should, it, it sh it's amazing how it, it operates and functions. And if you just look at the human body, you can see the hand of God. I mean, it, it's amazing what humans can do. But the truth is, in the overall perspective, we are very small con compared to God and who he is. So I'm not trying to say it's on us. I'm not trying to say that we get glory or that we're capable of doing the impossible. No, that's God's role in our life. But what we do need to understand is we do have this one power and authority. We get to choose. We get to choose whether we're going to see life from a faith perspective or a doubt perspective. We get to see whether we're going to choose life uh, to see life from a courage perspective instead of a fear perspective. We get to decide. And so the question then becomes, which point of view will you take? Will you take the point of view that is 
personal responsibility or will you take the point of view that's blame shifting? Whatever negative thing happens in my life, it's someone else's fault. Let me tell you something. One of the fastest ways to love life is to learn how to take personal responsibility because when we take personal responsibility, that gives us control to change the negative things that are going on in our life. But if we just sit back and blame everybody else for every negative circumstance, then what happens is we have no power to change that. Are we going to take the point of view of victor or victim? Are we going to take the point of view of winner or loser? Are we going to take the point of view of opportunity or obstacle? When we see problems, when we see situations and circumstances that are negative or apparently negative, do we see those as an opportunity for God's hand to move or do we see it as an obstacle to keep us from achieving what God wants for us? Uh, are we people who see possibility? Or are we people who see problems? I love this quote by Marcus Aurelius. He says, reject your sense of injury and the injury itself disappears. In other words, he's saying, if you aren't looking to be offended, you won't be. Think about that for a minute. If our perspective is offense, if we're if, we're, if we have a sense of injury, a sense of offense, we're constantly looking for something to be upset about, something to be, listen, if you look for it, you're going to find it. Perspective matters. What you see is what you get. And, and Marcus Aurelius said this, it really resonates with my heart in our, in our generation today because there are so many people that just want to be offended. And don't live your life that way. I'm telling you right now, people who are constantly offended are not people who love life. They hate life, and we don't want to be those kind of people. I love what Oscar Wilde said about perspective. He said, the optimist sees the donut, the pessimist sees the hole. <laughs> I, I, I know so many people like this. And, and, and in other words, what he's saying is, you'll love life or you'll hate it by the way you look at it. You're either looking at life from an abundance perspective or you're looking at life from a scarcity perspective. You, you, there's not enough for everybody. How, what are we going to do? Uh, I don't know how I'm ever going to make it. Uh, what are we going to do about that? Instead of an abundance mindset that says, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How are you going to look at life? It will engage your faith or it will reject your faith if you're not careful the way you look at life. John Lubbock, the great composer said, what we see depends mainly on what we look for. I really believe this. In other words, our disposition has a lot to do with the way we see the world. Again, I repeat, a lot of people will tell you that what goes in your mind is what you see. And I'm telling you, your perspective of what you see is coming out of what you think. And we need to determine and understand that the way we're looking at the world, the way we're looking at life is coming from mindsets that we have. So in other words, to change our perspective or to have a perspective that will cause us to love life we have to change the way we think. Corrie ten Boom, the, the, the great uh, woman of God who hid Jewish people during the Holocaust, an amazing woman. She said this, she said, child, you have to learn to see things in the right proportions. Learn to see great things great and small things small. You know, we live in a time right now, it's so funny that, you know, you, you, you know that old saying that says, let's make a, let's make a, 
uh, uh, people make a mountain out of a molehill. I, I like people who make molehills out of mountains. You know, I, I like people who are problem solvers, people who approach things from a positive perspective, people who are looking for solutions, people who are not letting life throw them or defeat them or push them around, but they're acting on life in faith, believing God has promised them great things and they're going to fulfill those great things in life. The children of Israel were promised this land, Canaan land, and they didn't take it for 40 years simply because they were afraid and they doubted and their perspective was we are small, we are grasshoppers, and they see us as grasshoppers. When God was saying, it really doesn't matter how small you are. It matters how big I am. Wow. In other words, see things how they are, not how your fear is making them look. A lot of times when we're looking at life and we're perceiving the things in life, here's what we're, here's what we're experiencing. We're experiencing like when you go to a carnival or a fair and you go to the, those crazy mirrors that you look in that distort you. You can look in one mirror that'll make you look really skinny and thin and one that'll make your head look real big and your body real small. You've got those kind of things on your app that do that as well. That, that's what living life or seeing life or walking with the perspective of fear is doing to you. It's distorting the way things really look. And it's like Corey Ten Boom says, we see these small things and somehow in our mind, they become huge mountains. And instead of looking at them and saying, if God gets involved, that big mountain becomes a small molehill in my life. It's really all about the way we think. Uh, perspectives matter. I remember one time my daughter Taylor, she was probably 14, 15, and she had just gotten a new haircut. She had, she had, she had had a certain haircut for a long time and then she got it changed and uh, one day after church there was a whole group of kids out in the lobby and I was walking out of church and we'd had a great service and I was walking out they were all circled up just talking and it was loud and I walked up to Taylor and I put my hands on her shoulders and I was rubbing her shoulders and I put my arms around her you know like you do your kid and 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 I was just you know I'm uh, you know I just how you doing baby and then all of a sudden she looked up at me <clears throat> And it was Taylor's hair, but it wasn't Taylor's face. <laughs> and I realized that there was another girl that had the exact same haircut that Taylor had just gotten. And what I thought I was seeing was not what I was seeing. Our perspective matters. And when we look at things and we disproportionately give them weight, it, what it means is we're taking something that we think we see and we're giving it prominence in our life. And we really it is really not what we think it is. You know, Abraham Lincoln was a really uh, interesting person. And he had so much travesty in his life. We hear all the heroic things he did and all the great quotes and the presidential uh, prominence and all of the things. But we don't hear a lot about the total devastation of losing family members and, and uh, just struggling with different kinds of discouragement and depression that he went through. And, but he had a perspective that was so interesting. And, and he said this one time, he said, we can either complain about rose bushes having thorns or we can be thankful that thorn bushes have roses. You know, in other words, he's saying we can choose how we're going to look at life. Realizing that there are many points of view and we get to choose which one we'll take. Now, if it's true that what we see is what we get, then here are three ways to have good sight. 
The, the three ways to have good sight are this. Number one, if you think well, you'll see well. If you think well, you'll see well. We have to learn to think well because the way we see, the perspective that we have is based on what we think. You're going to see things based on what you already have in your mind about them. You know, we do this in relationships all the time. We do this with people all the time. That we make judgments and prejudge people or we assume certain things about people in different scenarios and different situations simply because we are seeing things from the way we're thinking. And somehow we have derived or come to the conclusion of this way of thinking or that way of thinking maybe our environment maybe the way we grew up our worldview the norms in which we live our life the values that we have the thoughts that our uh, parents and, and 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 predecessors have kind of imparted to us through teaching and through just being around them it's interesting how much we pick up in life and those things color it's like putting on glasses you you have different lenses if you're nearsighted you need you need a magnification of the things that are near if you're farsighted you need a magnification of the things that are far and 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 we put on different lenses of our environment of our experiences of our upbringing and and it has different uh, uh, different perspectives and so we have to be careful that we're looking at things from an objective place and we're we're seeing things or we're thinking things that we want to see instead of just allowing our life to color everything that we're seeing and making it look distorted um if you're like me, you can't see far and you can't see close. And so when I went to the doctor, they said, you need progressive lenses. And so I've got these progressive lenses where there's not a line, so it doesn't distract me. But if, if I look, if sometimes I'll be reading and I'll let my head kind of float down and I'm like, man, I can't see what's wrong with my eyes. And I realize I'm looking through the wrong lens. And when we think wrong, it's affecting the way we see things. When we think with prejudice, it's affecting the way we, we see it. When we, when we think with doubt, it affects the way we see what we're dealing with. When we think with fear, it affects the way we deal with whatever challenges are standing in front of us. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, in the NIV it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. It's talking about our old way, our old man, our old flesh died when Jesus went into that uh, tomb. When we decided to follow him in symbol, we died with him. And now we're raised to life with him. And we should see things differently because our mind is thinking with his thoughts. Our mind is thinking with his words. And we need to continue to pursue that and not think the way the world thinks and not think the way our culture thinks and not think the way everybody else thinks, but think the way God thinks. And when we put that in our mind and we keep our mind stayed on things above and not on things below, then what happens is we see, we have a perspective of faith, a perspective of joy, a perspective of loving life. And we don't have all that heaviness and heavy laden life where we're just barely making it through. But no, we can face trials and persecutions and good times and bad times and we can face it and we can have victory in the context of all of it simply because we've decided to see life 
the way Jesus sees life. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 in the Old Testament says this, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate it on, on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous. Then you will be successful. God is literally saying, if you will get in my word and let it penetrate your mind, meditate means to mutter over and over and over again. Memorize. If you'll get this word in your heart, then what happens is you'll begin to be successful. If this word gets in your mind, if this word gets in your actions, if this word gets in your decisions, if this word gets in your family, it gets in your business, it gets in your mindsets, then what happens is you start seeing prosperity and success in your life. Why? Because you're basing it not on the way the world thinks, but the way God thinks. If you want to see well, you have to think well. Psalms 119 verse 14 through 16 says, I rejoice in following your statues as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees and I will not neglect your word. This is a person who is saying, this psalmist is saying, look, I am invested and I am putting your thoughts in my mind. And if I learn to think well, then I'll learn to perceive well, have a perspective that is proper and objective and just and righteous and holy and will absolutely make a difference in my life and the lives of others the second way to see well is we must look through the glasses of eternity to see well we must look through the glasses of eternity now i know that we all want to look from the perspective of right here and right now you see like i told you my glasses have a magnification of way out there and they also have a magnification of right here up close and and as we live on this earth we all have a problem we're nearsighted we all are very very nearsighted and all we see is what's right in front of us so we're using these lenses the lower part of the glass and we're we're looking at what's right in front of us and we're focused on what's right in front of us but we're losing sight of what's out there and if we're really going to see well, if we're going to have a good perspective, if we're going to love life, then the way we do that, if we're going to see, you know, what you see is what you get, if that's true, then the way we have to do that is we have to start looking through the glasses of eternity. We have to start acknowledging there's more than this right here. It concerns me that we live in a time where we've become so enamored with the present that we have forgotten all about the future. And even Christians, believers who are committed to Christ, don't even want to talk about what's next are even doubting or wondering is this really true what's after this life don't we just need to live this life for all we can get out of it because we this is all we have and it's crazy to me that we think that way and here's what it tells me it tells me we're not thinking like god thinks if we really want to see well we got to think well if we want to see well we must look through the glasses of eternity second corinthians chapter 4 verse 18 says this so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I want you to think about that for a minute. If this is your life, if this is eternity, the span that I have in my hands right now, this is your life, this little, this little measurement right here with my fingers. If this is eternity, this right here is your life. James talked about it as being a vapor, It'd be like if I took an aerosol can and sprayed it, the amount of time it would take for all that spray to dissipate, that compared to eternity is what our life on this earth is. Yet we spend all of our waking hours thinking only of present context. 
and we don't see the big picture that's happening here. This is why they couldn't see the resurrection and the ascension and the sin of the Holy Spirit. This is why the disciples got so confused when Jesus went to the cross because they couldn't see the big picture. They weren't thinking from an eternal perspective. They were thinking from a temporal perspective. You know, we have to get a big picture mindset. I remember reading a story a few years ago in a book by a man by the name of Stephen Covey. And, and, and it was a very interesting story to me. And boy, it woke me up to a lot of things because it gave a great example of how we have a small picture mindset and not a large picture mindset. A man got on a subway and he had had a hard day. It was a tough day at work and he was just trying to go home. And when he got on the subway, there was another man that got on. He had two kids, two smaller kids. And when the man sat down, he just sat down and he just kind of let his kids go. And his kids were running all over the subway car. They were yelling, they were screaming, they were laughing. They were just cutting up and people were beginning to get annoyed. Everybody on the subway was like, whose kids are these? Why are they running around? And, 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 and he just got more angry and more angry. And he was, he was not just angry that the kids were out of control, but he was angry that the dad is just sitting there and doing nothing about it. And, and it just, it just really, it was annoying to him. And so after a while, uh, every, it got so out of control. After a while, he just walked over to the man and said, sir, sir, your kids are running all over this car. They're annoying everyone. This is, you know, we've all had a hard day's work. We want to go home. We want to relax. We don't want to be sitting here worried about your kids that are bugging everyone and annoying everyone. And the guy shook his head and, and, his, and, and he looked up. And for the first time, the other man saw tears in his eyes and kind of a stunned look on his face. And he said, oh, sir, I'm, I'm sorry. I, he said, I, we just came from the hospital and their mother just passed away. And I guess I just, I guess I don't know what to do. And I'm just stunned. And I, I didn't even realize they were doing that. And I'm so sorry. And in one moment, just like that, that man's paradigm shifted. His mindset shifted from, I'm so annoyed to, I see a bigger picture. You know, we look at life and we can't enjoy it because sometimes we're only looking at the things right in front of us. We're looking through our bifocals and we're seeing what's right there, the things that bother us, the things that are annoying us, the things that make us afraid, the things that make us scared, the things that make us doubt, the things that push us around. And we can only see that, the present moment. But this is why the Bible says even when we have grief, we don't grieve as the way other people do because we have hope in Christ. There's a bigger picture here. You can love life even in the middle of your difficult circumstances because there's a bigger picture here. It doesn't stop with this. This is not the end of anything. This is just a part, a season, a moment, really, in the context of eternity. Get your hope up. Get your hopes up. Get your faith up. Do not let circumstances be magnified in your mind because you're only looking through your bifocals. Lift your eyes up above the horizon and start looking through that long picture that 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 far-sighted vision where you can see that this is only a portion and something greater is coming number three if we're going to see well we have to see spiritually first then physically helen keller said something and helen keller as you know was was deaf and mute and blind and she had gotten that way right after she was born. And to, th to, to look at her life and see who she became and all that she wrote and everything that she said 
unbelievable. But she said something that is so profound and struck me in the heart as I read it this week. She said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight with no vision. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For we live by faith, not by sight. Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. You see, if we're going to see well, if we're going to have good perspective, if we're not going to let fear or doubt or rejection or bias overwhelm our life, then we have to re- realize that to see well, we have to think well. To see well, we're going to have to get an eternal perspective. To see well, we're going to have to start seeing with our spirit first and our eyes second. Sometimes in life, we cannot see or get a clear perspective with our physical sight. And we must truly rely on seeing by faith seeing by trusting God and being assured that there's nothing he doesn't know there's nothing he cannot do and there's nowhere he cannot be trust him see through his eyes but pastor David you don't understand I'm I'm trying to take a risk here I'm trying to step out of faith I'm I'm afraid of what's going to happen what's coming in the future what what's going to happen with all the things that are going on and how's it going to turn out and you, you know you're looking through the wrong lens shut your eyes physically and open up your spirit to the spirit of God and let him help you to see by faith get in his word and start knowing that you can be assured and have confidence in what you believe even though you cannot see it when nicodemus was meeting with jesus and jesus told him the famous words of in john chapter 3 where he said you must be born again and nicodemus said how can i an old man like me i can't go back in my mother's womb nobody can go back in their mother's womb and be born again he said no you must be born in the spirit and physically and he said the holy spirit will touch your spirit and touch your heart and jesus described it like this he said, can you see the wind, Nicodemus? And he said, no, I can't see the wind. And he said, but Nicodemus, you can see where the wind has been. You know, sometimes we get afraid and we get discouraged because we can't see what we want to see because we don't know for sure that it's going to turn out like we want it to turn out or like what needs to turn out. But you need to understand the Spirit of God moves on our behalf when we pray and we have faith and we begin to see with the perspective. He helps us to be able to live a life that we can love. Loving God and loving people and loving life simply because we have a perspective that is filtered through faith. Not faith in ourselves, not faith in our circumstances, not faith in popular opinion, not faith in what other people say, not faith in commonalities but faith in jesus faith in god faith in the king of kings and the lord of lords faith in the omnipresent omnipotent omniscient god the self-existent self-sufficient el elyon the god of all things the god who created all things the god who loves you impersonally individually even though he is so immense you cannot comprehend him 
You see the world through that and it changes everything. So how are you going to see the world? Winner, loser. Positive, negative. Possibility or problem. Opportunity or obstacle. Well, if you see with the eyes (laughs) of faith, you see victory. See, if we want to love life, it will depend largely on how we see it. What's our perspective? Are we seeing life through the filter of defeatism? Or are we seeing life through the filter of faith? If what we see is what we get, then we are, then are we seeing properly? What are you getting in your life? Are you seeing properly? If we want to see well, we must think well. If we want to see well, we must see through the eternal perspective. And if we want to see well, we must see spiritually first. So my question is today, as we close, what glasses are you looking through? Father, we thank you today for how good you are to us. We thank you that you've given us the opportunity to love life and just enjoy life. God, you're so good to us. You're so good. Help us to see how good you are. Lord, so many ugly things going on in the world today, but help us not to even pay attention to that. Help us to see how good you are. All good gifts come from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning, meaning you haven't changed, you won't change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we thank you. We thank you. We praise you. And Lord, we take the perspective that we're not complaining about Uh, rose bushes that have thorns we're thanking you for thorn bushes that have roses thank you jesus we praise you jesus give us new sight give us new thinking help us to see the right way in jesus name amen every head bowed every eye closed if you're at church online today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've never asked Him to come in your life, you may have even been a religious person. But you don't, you can't say, I have a relationship with God. I remember when it started and I know what's going on with it right now. If you can't say that, then you need to make a decision to follow Christ today. Religion will not get you into heaven. Religion will not get you into the place where God wants you to be. It'll just point you that direction, but it won't get you there. You need to know Him. You need to ask Him to come into your life, forgive your sins. You need to turn from your ways to His ways. You need to believe that He died for you and He rose again from the dead, and you need to follow Him. So if that's you and you haven't made that decision, I want to encourage you today, make that decision. How do you make that decision on church online? You you text NEXT1 to 94090. And somebody will pray with you. A leader or pastor will pray with you and walk you through that prayer. And then we will get resources to you to help you along your spiritual journey. If you need to rededicate your life today, do that. Do it. Make make it dedication. Make that commitment to God. Dedicate yourself to Him. Say, God, I've walked away from you. I'm doing my own thing. We don't have a relationship right now. I need you in my life. And I'm coming back to you. I've been a prodigal. I've wasted myself. I've wasted my time. I've wasted the potential that you've given me. But I'm coming back. And I know you're waiting with arms wide open to receive me back into your family. That's the situation. That's the truth of it. If that's you today, come on home. Come on home. Stop beating yourself up. Stop telling yourself it can't be done. Stop telling yourself you've gone too far. Just come home. And I promise you, he'll be waiting. 
So I just want to pray for you today. And then I want you to make that decision to text that number and tell them that you want to make a decision to follow Christ. Father, I pray for every single person that's contemplating this decision right now. I pray that you will move by your spirit, touch their life, minister to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.